Hold on. Before you say you know what a Christian is and you start quoting your book of Revelation, hang on and listen to today's show. This is episode number 782 of The Next Step, October 20th, 2023. Hi, this is Gia, welcoming you to a 16th season of The Next Step with Father Voskin, the acclaimed podcast series about spirituality through orthodoxy, brought to you by Apostle.net. Since 2008 these next steps have been taken toward and for the disenfranchised members of the church community, as well as for those searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, and for the neophyte, those who are discovering truths in ancient orthodoxy. The next step is a step, a stride, moving us forward. Here, Father Voskin provides his unique and distinctive voice for Armenian Orthodoxy, as providing an intelligent and practical answer to the challenges of life, based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by Jesus Christ. So turn up the volume and get ready to take the next step. Hey, 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 I miss those steps as they're running, they're running, walking, wherever they're going. Good to be here with you today. It's been a while, and i got to tell you, in the 16 years and counting that we've been doing this next step, I don't think that I have ever been this um, so out of it, so down, and I don't want to use the word depressed, because it depresses me to use it, but just so down that I haven't even been able to put together this show. Yeah, we've been doing the daily shows every day. We've been getting out um, messages out there, and it's been going good. But, you know, the next step holds a very special spot in my heart because it's an opportunity to really get up close and personal to share with you well, thoughts and ideas that maybe I can't uh, share everywhere. But with you, the listeners, I get a chance to throw it out there and I love love getting your responses to them but uh, it was it was a big setback this year it was right around Armenian Independence Day and uh, we got the word that Artsakh or let's call it Nagorno-Karabakh I think I we've got to start calling it Nagorno-Karabakh because when we call it Artsakh I don't think the outside world really knows and I know we're going to make a case for that. We're going to talk about what the outside world knows knows or cares to know. But still, I mean, when you talk about Nagorno-Karabakh, it's, it's in context with what most of the world understands. For us, Artsakh, of course. But um, yeah, it was right around Armenian Independence Day. We were getting ready and we got the word. We got the word that they they surrendered the land and I, I don't know, it's not only that event that, that set me back, it was our response to it. The response that we had, I couldn't believe it. Even now, last night there was some uh, event where Armenians here in America, <laughs> they went out and they, they protested because the world isn't paying attention to it. Like, it just and and they went out with hat in hand, you know, with the open hand. After everything we've been working on and everything, they went out again. Oh, please, please, poor Armenians, let's uh, let's help the Armenians. Yeah, you don't express it that way, but that's what it comes off as. And I I gotta tell you, I've just been really disappointed, disappointed beyond the normal disappointments of life. This is a big one because it's. My life's work. It's the work that we put together as in his shoes. And you know, if we had if we had even given it a chance, and I feel like with our group within his shoes, we did give it a chance. We tried it. But one of the biggest failures that I've had is is the inability to really create it into in his shoes into a movement that would be adopted by others because it basically isn't it isn't the um, victim mentality. And I think there's a lot of comfort. There's a lot of comfort in being victimized. People like that idea that, oh, look at me. I'm a victim. Yeah, poor old me. What's going to happen? And because of you, it's all your fault that I'm this way. <laughs> Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to take responsibility for who I am. 
And, um, you know, this last month has been just so many different things coming out because not only did we lose Artsakh, but uh, we lost our self, our self-worth. Again, people are out there talking about, like, getting other people to, to, to notice us. Yeah, okay, so a week ago, Israel. Israel entered into a war. And instead of, like, talking about the facts there, you know what we're saying? Well, how come they're getting attention and we're not? I mean, does it ever occur to people that, you know, everyone has preferences? And when you listen to what the preference is, I mean, we got to admit it. You know, we don't have that that support. We've been fooled into believing that we have that support. I mean, you know, one of the greatest advocates for the Armenian cause has been Adam Schiff. And yet, Adam Schiff couldn't even return a call. We feel like the Armenians, you know, like we're, we're so close to him. He couldn't even return a call. They stopped the entire freeway here in Los Angeles. I mean, that's how close we are? That That's how close we are to Adam Schiff? That we have to cl- close off a freeway just to get his attention? Yeah, some of this, uh, I'm assuming that you know. If you don't, I'll put links on our show notes just so you could um, read up about it. And I don't want to spend more time about it. But, um, you know, when, when, when you go to your political side, when you go to these politicians, you've got to remember that they have one objective. And that, this is sad, they have one objective, and that objective is to get reelected. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we got to get with the program, you know, just like any organization there in any organization, doesn't matter if it's a church institution, whatever it is, its primary objective, primary objective is to make sure that it exists. Yeah, self-preservation. And it's no different with the politicians. And he's in political office. He wants to get reelected or move up into into another office, right? So they do things to appease the people who are going to vote for them. And this is nothing bad. It's just the way the system works. This is how it is. You want something, you've got to do it. You, you've, you've got to take care of your constituency so that they vote for you. And they say a lot of nice things to that constituency. But what what um, what hurts me is that we actually believe these people. I mean, for how many years, how many years we went on to say the, the Armenian genocide, you have to recognize it. Okay, you got a president that recognized it. Okay, then what? What happens now? Did that bias anything? Did that help in any of the situation? Well, it's interesting because Biden, the same one who... Um, who accepted the Armenian Genocide, recognized the Armenian Genocide. He's the one that really could care less about what's going on in Armenia right now, the genocide that's, uh, that took place right in this, in this time. They say things because they want your vote. That's all it is. And it's a way off whose vote is greater. And if I know that you know, I could get more votes saying something else. And that's what they think. Okay, I'll do that. Gone are those days the way they're doing stuff for principle. Remember that movie, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? Yeah, old movie, old movie. Jimmy Stewart. I'll put it on the, yes, I will put it on the show notes. Take a look at it. It's a really good movie. It just talks about somebody who really goes to Washington with with this anticipation that you know that we're going to change the we're going to we're going to do something to the laws and we're going to pass some legislation we're going to do things right way and shows you what happens over there and i do believe a lot of people end up going to washington going into politics for probably some very altruistic reasons but you're not going to find it later the only reason is again self perpetuation self-promotion, or basically just getting your votes. And they do a very good job of that, and if they weren't, they didn't, um, 
They wouldn't be getting reelected, right? I mean, look, I'll tell you right here in the Pasadena where I live, the local politicians. It was just interesting because recently, a couple of years ago, they had election for the councilman. And the councilman's horrible. Um, Gene Masuda is somebody who doesn't even doesn't even get what's going on in the thing. And he's he was opposed by six different candidates. And I supported one of the other candidates. And, I, you know, I really supported because we needed stuff done. We needed somebody who's going to take action. And um, at the end of the day, I, I mean, we really voted. And I thought, you know, the vote wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. The other candidate outspent Masuda Jean by, by millions or whatever, it's some absurd amount of money that they they outspent him. That means that they had people following him, right? But the final count was so off balance. It was, I think, if I remember right, it was by a 7 to 1 margin. 7 to 1 margin, can you believe that? Yeah, people like the status quo. They like, they like comfort. And you know what? Um, we, you're going to feel better once you start realizing this. And this has been really my downfall. I thought that people would want to take a risk. I feel, and to this day I feel, that as Christians, we are called to that life of risk. Not, not by doing stupid things, but going out on the edge and being the revolution the continuation of the revolution that Jesus brought to our lives. This Sunday, this Sunday in the Armenian Church, we read the passage that comes to us from Luke chapter 4. It is the most beautiful passage. I had the good fortune of doing my first divine liturgy. My first sermon as a priest was delivered on this particular Sunday. And it has stayed with me as a mission statement for what we do within the church, what we are supposed to do in the church, because it takes place in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, right as he, exactly at the time that he started his ministry. It was right after his baptism. He uh, he was went into the wilderness, and there he stayed and was tempted for 40 days. And after he finished that, he came out of the wilderness. And he goes into the temple and he opens up the book, the book of Isaiah. And he, he speaks to the people, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable, acceptable year of the Lord. That's this Sunday. Get out to your Armenian church. Listen to that. But more importantly, act on it. This is what Jesus came to do. And so if we are the church, his body, doesn't it follow that this is what we should be doing? Helping the poor, healing the brokenhearted, set at liberty the captives, giving sight sight to the blind. We're not talking about just eyeballs missing. We're talking about people who can't see the beauty. And they're all around us. They're the people who are starting wars. You know, we got into Israel. And our Armenian people have been critical of the United States because we went right ahead. We went right ahead and supported Israel. I'll tell you why you should be critical of the United States at this point. Not because we jumped into it. Because we didn't give any other option. President Biden just got up and he said, whatever Israel does, we will be behind them. Wow. Wow! Can you believe that? Whatever they do, we'll be behind them. Go ahead, do whatever you want. We'll be behind you. And you know what? I I wouldn't even mind if he said this. If he said this after 
He had exhausted some of the possibilities. Did we sit down? Did we sit down and talk to people? Oh, well, we don't talk to terrorists. Well, you know, that's a very loaded, loaded question because you've got to define this terrorist. We didn't talk to Putin. Why? Because, well, he's a terrorist. He's not somebody we can talk to. I mean, you've already decided that we're going to fight fire with fire. Therefore, there's no reason to even bring the hose out. That's how simple it is. Yeah. We've decided that we're fighting fire with fire and the hose could just stay in the garage. We're not going to use the hose this time. And that's tragic. That's tragic because all we're doing is we're promoting more, more war. Wherever we look, there is talk of war and there is war happening. It's almost as if they're saying, come on, bring it on. We want we, we want to engage in this. And the stupidity of this is at the end of the day, people are going to die. And meanwhile, the, the poor, listen to what I said, what Jesus said, to preach the gospel to the poor, to send to the brokenhearted, liberty to the captive. The more and more at the poor we're going to have, we're going to have more brokenhearted and more captives. Why? Why? Because we're in, these are all the byproducts of war. This is what happens. This is what happens. We are at a junction right now where we can say, hey, why don't we take the higher road? Why don't we take the higher road and say that, okay, you know what? We're going to fight fire with, with water this time. We're going to try to put it out before it could go any further. I mean, doesn't that, let me just ask you this. Doesn't that just at least make sense? You know, before I fight fire with fire, I think I'm going to pick up the hose and just try to put it out. Then if I can't, okay, then I'll think about some other alternatives. But we didn't even do that. We didn't even do that. And that's the hurtful part for me. Here we are, a hundred years removed from the Armenian genocide. And we, as Armenians, should be the first people to be talking about this. But instead... We're back to, hey, look at me, look at us, poor Armenians, we need help, we need the rest of the world. we got to be the first people out there talking about genocide and prevention of genocide. We've got to be the first people out there, the first responders, so to speak. And you can't do it in the backyard on the streets of Los Angeles. How absurd is that, you know? How absurd is that? It's like the the local hospital is having a strike. <laughs> the nurses are on strike. Imagine they came over to your house and picketed it on your front lawn. The nurses from the local hospital came to your house and picketed on your front lawn. What would you, what would you do? What's your first reaction? I'll tell you what I would do. I'd go out there and I'd say, hey, what are you guys picketing? They'd say, well, unfair wages with the hospital. And I go, and what's that have to do with me? The hospital's a few miles down. Go over there and pick it, right? Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? What are we doing? We're, we, we're blocking freeways in, in Los Angeles. We're picketing in and we're having demonstrations in Los Angeles and New York and asking people to come around and and see what's going on. What? Yeah, yeah, if I was sitting in America, somebody came to my house and picketed against the Azerbaijan, I'd go, I'd say, okay, there's Azerbaijan over there. Which, by the way, they did. They did. They go to the Azeri consulate. Yeah, okay, do it there. Go to the Turkish consulate. Do it there. But this, this, this idea of just going randomly and... It, it's it's not doing us any justice. It's not helping the cause. It's actually, I, I would argue that it's even counterproductive. I want to spend some time sharing with you some bizarre ideas and notions that came from the world of religion. Namely, now there's talk of Armageddon 
and the end times. And I know if I had started off this show today with this topic, we'd probably get more people that would be <laughs> tuning in for the rest of the show. So I hope I haven't lost too many people because we're going to get into this. You know, I, I know what it is. People love sensationalism instead of understanding. You know, you know, it's like somebody came up to me recently, one of the guys, I, and he says, is it all right if I get a tattoo? Is Christi- Are Christians allowed to get a tattoo? I go, yeah, why not? It wasn't well, a sin. You're defacing your body. I... You know, with everything going on in the world, is this what our concern is? Is that what your concern is? I'll tell you what the greatest sin is. There's a there's wars happening, and we're fueling those wars. I'll tell you what the greatest, greatest sin is. We're buying into these wars. We're perpetuating these wars. We're making wars happen. And this is the sin that we all bear. We all are part of this sin process. And we need to stop it. You know, it's like, remember the old days, uh, what was it, 20, 25, 30 years ago, there was a movement, WWJD. What would Jesus do? If you're in a dilemma, if you're in a dilemma, you say, what would Jesus do? Okay, like, uh, do I cheat or not? What would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't cheat. Okay, so I won't cheat. (laughs) Give me my, I'll pay my taxes, okay? Yeah. What would Jesus do? Well, I've got another one. It would be WWJB. Who would Jesus bomb? Think about that. Who would Jesus bomb? Don't even need to answer that, right? All right, we take a break every week. You know um, what I want to play for you? Let me play it, and then I'll explain why I did it, okay? Enjoy. You, you're driving me crazy. What did I do? What did I do? My tears for you make everything hazy. Clouding my skies are blue. Whether friends who were near me to treat me, believe me, they knew. But you were the kind who would hurt me, deserve me when I needed you. Yes, you, you're driving me crazy. What did I do to you? Yes, you, you're driving me crazy. What did I do to you? My tears for you make everything hazy, cloudy, my skies are blue. When the friends who were near me to treat me, believe me, they knew. But you were the kind who would hurt me, deserve me when I needed you. Yes, you, you're driving me nuts. Ah, what did I do to you? Wow! (laughs) Incredible! And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I've been listening to her 
to, to different recordings that she's got over here, some wild stuff with some great jazz musicians with it. Okay, so this is what happened. A couple weeks ago, my niece called me up. She lives in New York, and she happened to go to a jazz club to listen to Lucy uh, Yeriazarian. And during her set, Lucy gets up and she says, are there any Armenians in the audience? And of course, my niece raises her hand and, and I think she said there was only one other person there. And Lucy went on to explain to the people that she's Armenian and this is what had happened in Armenia. And she goes on to sing an a cappello uh, song, uh, just brought tears to my eyes and I was listening to it only on her recording from her iPhone my my niece's iPhone but yeah my niece said she was a mess emotionally so beautiful her voice and uh, so I had to go and look her up okay so Lucia, Lucy Yerazarian an American Armenian vocalist who has become a leading voice in American straight ahead jazz by bringing the real riches of her heritage together with her love for the ultimate American art form. She is a recipient of grants from the Doris Duke Foundation, Chamber Music America, and the New York Foundation for the Arts. What a talent. <laughs> Do I need to even say that? You got just a snippet of what she's all about. I'll have links on today's show notes. Do check it out. There'll be links to recordings, YouTube videos. And like I always say, you know, support the, the artists that we feature here because, you know, they they just brighten our lives. They give us so much and ask for so little in return. The least we could do is at least support their their art form. Lucy Yeriazarian, look for the show notes today. Welcome back to the second half of the next step, okay? The second half of the show. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about religion and uh, how religion is addressing certain issues. I saw an ad. You know, if, if you uh, support one of these nonprofits, one of the things you're certain to get is more f more solicitation <laughs> for, for funds, right? It, it, I belong to several things that we contribute to. You know, I like to do it once a year, especially around the Christmas time. It just kind of like convenient at the end of the year to help out. And it's part of the Christmas feeling. And, and uh, you know, they send you these items, cards, uh, stickers, stickers with your name and address on it. Now they're getting a little bit more creative. They're they're putting little um, uh, nickels, yeah, real nickels, five cent piece, American five cent piece nickels, right in the envelope. So you see it in the envelope. You go, oh, somebody sent me a nickel. Then you open it up, and they say, well, we need money for this or that reason. And you go, okay. And you think in your head, why are you sending me money? Well, because you're supposed to take that five cents as you know, to stimulate you. And you know, there, there's an assortment of guilt practices that I think are part of the fundraising atmosphere uh, these days for these nonprofits. Whatever it is, you get them. But I, you also get solicitations for new nonprofits. And that's because everyone's sharing their lists, their mailing lists. They're sharing it. And you, you know, whether you're on email or conventional mail, you're getting all kinds of solicitations. And I saw this one, which was kind of interesting. Uh, it was by the Bible Society. It said, send Bibles to the troops. And it's very noble, right? Let's send Bibles to the troops. And I thought to myself, you know, if you did send Bibles to the troops and they read them, they might put their weapons down. Think about it for a moment. Who would Jesus bomb? Didn't Jesus advocate for peace? Ah, but that's not the entire Bible. That's right, it's not the entire Bible. You'd be very quick to point out passages where it's okay to do this or that, to smite your enemies and do this. Oh, yeah, 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 but where are you reading this? Is this Jesus? No, it's the Old Testament. Now, you know, I'm saying this with all sincerity. If we are going to send people 
Bibles, we need to send New Testament. We need to send New Testaments out there. In fact, for several years in all of my classes, my uh, religion classes in, in the schools that I would be teaching, as well as within the parishes, it's always focusing in on the New Testament. Yes, there's some beautiful stories in the Old Testament, but it's not salvific, you know that, right? And for the most part, if you read them on their literal, literally, you're talking about people killing people for the sake of religion. Because you do not see things the way I see. And I don't think this is the intention of our lives today. and certainly can't be. And so, yeah, if you're going to send Bibles to to troops, send them New Testament. But there's a danger in that. They may put their weapons down. But here's what I wanted to share with you today. Because, I, you know, right after Israel uh, got involved in war, all of a sudden we're starting to read about how Israel is indispensable. And we need in Israel. And I read this on social media. Somebody posted this on social media, and it wasn't their own post. It was something that was circulating, because at the end of it says, and if you believe this, take it and uh, and, and copy and paste it, okay? So let me read you what it says, because I was just shocked when I read it. It was from somebody from the Armenian church was posting it, and this is really our problem. People aren't familiar with our theology. They don't know what Armenian Orthodoxy is all about. So they just assume we're Christian. Okay, the prejudice kicks in. This is what you have to believe. And no, that's not what we believe. So according to this statement, this is what, supposedly, this is what uh, we've got to believe. Why does Israel matter? Did you know that the time clock on the return of Jesus Christ isn't based on America's timetable? It's based on what is happening in Israel. Did you know Jesus wasn't a Christian? He was a Jew. He celebrated and kept the Jewish holy days and customs, as well as the feasts of the Lord. He didn't come to eradicate the Torah and the writings of the prophets, the Old Testament. He came to fulfill the prophecies that were written in them. Okay, so let's stop right there. Let's 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 examine that. What do you mean he was a Jew? No, 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 no. His mother was a Jew, right? And for some reason, the Jewish people started, (laughs) for some reason, you'll figure it out, started identifying their ethnicity based on their mother's ethnicity. Yeah? 2,000 years ago. That's when they changed the rule. Yeah, why? Because if they based it on the father's ethnicity, well, then... He's the God of the universe. And Jesus is not restricted to any any ethnic uh, boundaries. He belongs to all of us. He belongs to the world. Every one of us. Yeah, that's just true. He's, he's not a Jew. His mother was a Jew. He celebrated and kept Jewish holidays and customs as well as the feasts of the Lord. Okay, he did these with his mom. He didn't come to eradicate the Torah. Well, if he didn't, it's a good, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, uh, what's the saying? How does it go? Uh, he did a good job of pretending to do it. Yeah, no, his was revolutionary. What he brought to this world was, yes, the fulfillment of the prophets, the law and the prophets. But in that fulfillment is a revolution. It's to understand that the kingdom is at hand and the kingdom is right now. It's right now. It's not based on these laws and regulations. And he was very critical of people who lived by those laws and rules and regulations, but didn't understand the compassion that we need towards one another. It says when Jesus returns, he isn't returning to the United States. The Bible says he is going to plant his foot down in the mountain Mount of Olives and go through the eastern gate, which is currently sealed off with 16 feet of concrete. Okay, folks, uh, look, 
if Jesus returns today, you're not, you can't stand up to him and say, oh, excuse me, uh, Mike, you're off. My calculation said you should be returning in two years. If he says that I'm coming back to Toledo, Ohio, or to Puerto Rico, or to the plains of Armenia, you can't go up to him and say, I'm sorry, my calculation said there's 16 feet of concrete that are sealing off the eastern gate. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, most of these ideas about end times and Armageddon, these things come from the book of Revelation. And here, listen, Revelation is a book, it's a code, first of all. It was written by John the Evangelist, okay? It wasn't meant to be read in 2023. It was written at the end of the first century. It was a code, coded instruction for the con- Christian community that was under harsh, harsh persecution. And basically in this code, the people of the time were told that, hang in there. God is with us. In the end, God will 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 vindicate you. Everything's going to be okay. Don't give up the good fight. It wasn't meant, Revelation is not meant to be taken in the year 2023 and picked apart and looked at this sentence means this, this code means that. And if you actually want to do something like that, if you want to go there and kind of pick apart, I just got to share this warning with you. Oh, no, 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 it's not my warning. It comes from the book of Revelation. It's at the very, 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 very end. It's Revelation chapter 22. Yeah, it's a warning. It says, I testify to anyone, everyone, who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. Okay, so it's a prophecy. Okay, got it? It's not a literal story. It's a prophecy. And I testify. This is written here. It says, If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away this part of the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Oh, you get it? It's a prophecy. That means you have to interpret. Now, to interpret, you're going to add or subtract. And it's telling you, don't do that. Don't add to it. Otherwise, I'm going to add the plagues to your life. Don't subtract. That'll be your portion of the goodness that's taken away. We are so quick to analyze and talk about these things. Instead of talking about the real message, it's like the guy who worries about, did I, should I get a tattoo? Well, how about doing the things that Jesus has told us? Go out there and help people. By the way, uh, um, Revelation has three more lines at the very end. Since I got it open, I might as well share this with you too. It says, I am coming quickly. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And you should know that at that time, first century, It was written that Jesus is coming quickly. There's people who think that he's coming right now. And there's people who who thought he was coming, you know, 10 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. It's his time. And he's told us, stay out of it. (laughs) In no uncertain terms, he said, stay out of it. What you need to do is follow me. What you need to do is listen to what I'm sharing with you. Love one another. Don't worry about these things. But I know it's it's exciting to find out what, what he's saying. So people do this. Let me keep reading what's what's written. When Jesus returns, he's not returning to the United States. The Bible says he's he plant his foot in the Mount of Olives and so on. And I shared with you. He who decides that it's going to be Toledo, Ohio or Oklahoma City. <laughs> Fat chance you're going to argue with him. A cemetery was also placed in front of the gate because it touched the dead and so on. The word of God says he will return there and from there he will rule and reign for a thousand years. Listen, folks, God reigns forever. This is ridiculous. This idea that there's a, that he's confined to our space-time dimensions. The final battle isn't going to be on U.S. soil. It's going to be in the valley of Megiddo in 
Israel. The Bible says, as the nations wage war against Israel, Jesus will come and destroy his enemies with the breath of his mouth. Hold on now. This is now getting very Biden-esque. In other words, yeah, can't touch Israel. God did not replace the Jews with Christians, as some believe. We are actually grafted in with them, as you would graft a wild branch into an existing tree. By the way, this is somebody interpreting it, right? I, I, you don't hear that metaphor anywhere else. It's, it's, somebody's there telling you now. They've interpreted this. The word of God says, when you touch Israel, you touch the apple of God's eye. Zechariah 2, 8, an Old Testament passage. He that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is thy keeper. Psalm, there's another Old Testament. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Genesis 12. Uh, we are also commanded to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I believe we need to pray for peace all over. All over. But the idea that there is one chosen people is not anything that Jesus subscribed to. Jesus said just the opposite. We're all his children. The kingdom is here for all of us. It's not about people being chosen from beforehand. It's what we do with our lives. If you need one more proof of that, he turns and he says, they, his mother and his brothers show up. And he says, who are my brother, mother and my brothers? Those people who hear the word of God and do it. Now he could have easily said, my mother and my brothers are the Jews that are living here. People that are my mother and my brothers are those who have um, uh, a blood relationship with me. No. It's on your actions of doing that goodness. And he goes even further. He says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was in jail, you visited me. I was sick and you took care of me. And people say, when did we see you like this? When you did it for the least, the least of my brothers, you did it for me. It's the family of Jesus. Very simple. Peace on earth begins with goodwill towards one another. Let's get that goodwill to one another. So you understand why I was very, very upset when I read this, because most people read this kind of stuff and they say that, oh, this is what Christianity believes. No, Christianity is a religion of peace. That's what Jesus came for. And for some reason, we haven't been able to persuade people. And I know the reason, because we keep bringing up these issues of war. We need to get beyond this. And this is why I'm, I'm telling you, when we come down to armadoxy, what is the, the, the plan here? Somebody wrote to me recently because of one of my daily shows. Um, in the daily show, I was explaining about how with God we can overcome. And, and they challenged me. They said that this isn't about a moral victory. Like uh, St. Vartan, you know. St. Vartan, there was a moral victory physically they went no i'm not talking about moral victories i am talking about an actual winning a winning the war but that war isn't about armenians and turks it's the war about this world and that's where we eventually have to look at and that's why for how many years now this is where my depression comes from why i'm so angered today why i'm so uneasy because we haven't been able to perpetuate this story. And that's about walking in the shoes of others. When we first started this 20 years ago, and we started with Armenian young kids, it was the idea was, let's go and help people. That's the way that we answered the Armenian genocide. Not by asking presidents or senators to acknowledge it. Let's ourselves acknowledge it. We were the first people who endured genocide. We have an obligation now to go out there and talk about people who are going through genocide. So imagine every week, every month, we're out there in the homeless shelters feeding people. And when people come and they tell us, why are you doing this? We say, because we were once homeless. 
we're out there. We're taking care of people. And by the way, World Vision is going to be uh, is one was one of our partners in the past. I'm glad to tell you that we're going to be partnering with them again, November 5th. Write it on your calendar. I'll be celebrating the liturgy at St. Leon's. I'd love for you to be there, um, and it will be streamed because we're going to be partnering again with them, helping others. Because when we help others, what happens? Now all of a sudden. We're not walking to people and saying, hey, here's my handout, fill it up. We're saying, no, I'm walking over with my hand full. God has given me so much. Let me help others out. Let me help you out. Let me feel your pain. Let me walk in your shoes. And that's basically the story that we came up with. Can you imagine if we had done this as a, as a nation for the last 20 years? Can you imagine that? Today, when they said, who are these Armenians with their hands out? And they, they, they wouldn't be saying that, right? They'd be saying, oh, look at that. The Azeris and the Turks are picking on those people that are helping the rest of the world. And you see how the dynamics change at that point? They're looking at us not as the people with our hands out. They're looking at us as the people who've been helping others. And so we've got to get with the program and let's help these people. And this is how you build relationships. You see, we're out there complaining. Armenians are out there complaining. The rest of the world doesn't care about us. Well, it's true. They don't. We're such a small, small, small minority. They don't care about you. But with God on your side, your minority becomes a majority, right? But we don't have God on our side because we're not doing the God work. We're not doing, we're caring about ourselves instead of caring about other people. So what happens when we start helping other people? When we walk in the shoes of others and we start seeing ourselves as members of a larger community? Well, what happens is the dynamics change. We're complaining that other people aren't receptive to us. We're complaining that they don't care about us. Well, Here's a little secret. We haven't cared about the rest of the world. Instead of talking about a genocide a hundred years ago, where are we on the front lines with genocides that are happening today? Did you know that? Yeah, it, it, it escapes the... It escapes the news because you've got uh, the, what's going on in Israel. But right now there's genocide taking place in, in Africa. Have you ever... Stop to think for a moment. What are we doing there? Well, we have in issues. And this is why I'm telling you that we need to bring this story of in issues to the bigger audience. And this is where my this is where I've been hurting lately. Because I realize that after all these years, that's been one of our downfalls. Walking in issues. Okay, uh, here's Susie to make her announcement. I miss Susie. I miss having her in the studio. But fortunately, we have her little little clip that shares with us what she believes. Here's Susie. I'll be back in a moment. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vosgen. 
Okay, I hope you are getting involved with epostle.net. And, uh, you know, we've let in issues kind of like hang right there, and we're working on it as quick as we can. I'm really happy to tell you that um, epostle will be going over to a Web3 experience very, very quickly. And this is going to be some new times. Actually, we're going to be testing it out this Monday night at our Bible study session. Uh, yeah, Web3 experience to actually be in the moment right there with us. Uh, that's that's only part of what we're doing. And you can see all of this at epostle.net, along with our show Giragi and uh, the, uh, Armadoxy for today. We have Basement Tapes with Susanna Bogosian and Giragi with, uh, with the host Vartan Arzumanyan. So we are expanding. We're growing, not at a pace that I wanted to. I wanted to go a little bit quicker, but very thankful for what we do have. So do check it out. Epostle, easy to remember. That's Apostle with an E. Apostolic Evangelism for an Electronic and Expanding Universe. And on top of all of that, on November 5th, you heard me say it a few minutes ago, I'll be back with Old Friends World Vision. I'll be at the St. Leon, the Wontian's uh, Diocese. Um, cathedral, and I'll be celebrating the Divine Liturgy. And what is that? Is that already next week? No, I think we got an extra week. Yeah, two two weeks from now. And do do join us either in person or uh, follow us on on the links because wonderful people helping people in Armenia and throughout the world with some very basic basic needs. I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. I want to thank you for joining us today. hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed airing out so much that was on my mind today. Thank you for being here, and God bless you. On behalf of Susie, my producer, and myself, this is Father Voskin. look forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and projection crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Vpostle.net. Apostolic evangelism from electronic and standard universe. Forgot to ask you if uh, you, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Uh, bye.